Happy Man Day, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is Man Day. We are so glad you're with us, but it just doesn't quite feel manly enough for us, does it? You know, I think I we feel like we're missing something. We're missing something. You feel like something. we're missing Let, something? Let's see. Can we do this? <laughs> <laughs> That's better. That's this way better. Much, much. Here, you can have one of these things. Yes, right? thank you. <laughs> this feels more like man's exactly. man day to me. You exactly. know what I mean? Well, and if you need to go get yourself a snack, feel free to go ahead. I mean, what do we do got? What do we got here? We got, we got the Cheetos. We got the potato. We got How a slim, slim gym. Slim gym. Let's That's go. Nothing says I got man. Some, I got breakfast like a, on a stick. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's get rolling in here. Well. Uh, for you men out there, you know, our, our desire here for Man Day is we want to be able to talk to the men. Now, women, what we're going to talk about absolutely applies to you as well. But, but for the men, we got to kind of shoot straight, right? We're going we're gonna to be as clear and be as efficient as we can yes. uh, for our men today. But, men, when you think about when you were a kid and you thought about being a man, I think certain things came to mind, right? For sure. Certain things came to mind. Like, for me, like, sometimes it was careers, you know, like firefighters, you yep. know, or like construction workers, you know, <laughs> or I, I thought about like, honestly, the garbage man, like the garbage man in my how, house. Was, how cool are garbage trucks? He was so tough too. Yes. Like he's just whatever. <laughs> and then I think about athletes, right? You Like who was your favorite athlete? Well, hands down, uh, and my all time favorite athlete had to have been Michael Jordan. Boom. Michael Jordan. Boom. I remember distinctly, I could not wait for Sunday mornings after church running downstairs where our TV was, flipping on NBA there on NBC, the theme song. If you don't know it, it will bring you straight back. And so being like Mike was my greatest success. However, Greg, you can't forget about superheroes. Superheroes, that's true. And I think the greatest superhero of all time had to have been Superman. Oof. Literally put the super in <laughs> superhero. How about you? Who is no, your favorite superhero? Me, see, I knew that I don't have any superpowers. So for me, it was Batman. I'm like, you Boom. give me enough money, you give me enough gadgets, I could be Batman, right? I love the Batman. But uh, it's more than just superheroes. I think all of us just had probably a, a guy in our life that we said, like, that's a man. Like, yes. who was that for you? Like, when you said, that's a man. Yes, I think about my own dad, actually. And uh, if you remember growing up in school, they had your take your child to work day. Well, my dad had to have been probably the manliest man because his profession, full-time profession, was being an exterminator, literally killing things. There you go. And my dad brought me in the truck one day and said, son, I'm going to show you what it means to be a man. I'm like, dad, I, you know, I, I think I got an idea. He goes, no, son, you're going to know what it means to be a man. So we show up on the job site. He hands me work gloves. He hands me a garbage bag and says, son, uh, this will be one of the grossest homes you ever walk through. <laughs> and he said, just a couple days before, I set up mouse traps and bait stations over the whole house. And he said, son, there are hundreds of dead mice Gross. that you will find in the house. Your job is to pick up every mouse in the house and put it in the bag. That's what it means to be a man. And to this day, I absolutely hate Mice. Gross. So I think of my dad being an exterminator and killing rodents. Yeah, tough guy. Like, when, <laughs> when I think about, man, I think about my grandpa. Uh, my grandpa passed away when, he, when I was 12. Uh, but when I was a young kid, I would look at him. He was just, like, 
the guy. He would grow up, he was from West Virginia. Like he just was manly, just dirty. He could fix stuff. He just loved to fish. Like he shopped at a gas station. Like that was where his clothes were from. Like they, he did not care about fashion one bit, whatever. But he was a head custodian at this church. And so we would, uh, I would go hang out with him at the church and, and help him do stuff and look around, whatever. I remember one time, this is a gross story, so you're just gonna have to suck it up and take it right here. But uh, I'm at the church and he gets a call that one of the bathrooms has an issue. And so we go in and one of the toilets has an issue. And I, I'm just a young kid. I walk in the stall with him and, and look and it just, it was full and it was gross. And I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm thinking to myself, like, uh. how is... How's he gonna fix this? And without even thinking, he pulls his thing no. up and jams his hand in the toilet. No. And just, it was disgusting. It was so <laughs> disgusting. But I thought to myself, like, that's what it means to be a man, to do the gross, the dirty stuff, you know? I, I got one more. Can yeah. I share one more? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, there was a community pool. I think there still is in Bloomington. And uh, back in the day, uh, our parents got this community pool membership in Bloomington. And, uh, this pool was notorious for its high dive, okay? Very popular in-demand thing, and, but there was an issue. There was a problem at the high dive, and there was a giant line forming on the high dive, and I'm like, why is there this big line? It should be going, and you look at the top, and there's like this 20-year-old guy who's up <laughs> at the top, and he's freaked out of his living mind, and there's a sign that clearly says on the high dive, uh, once you climb up, you cannot climb down. You have to jump. So you have the lifeguard on his chair trying to give the pep talk, like, okay, buddy, on the count of three, you're going to jump. Everybody say it with me. One, two, and he doesn't jump. He's freaked out of his mind. And so my dad goes, son, sit here. What? Just, I'm going to take care of this. So my dad uh, bypasses the line, starts climbing up the ladder on the high dive, and the lifeguard is saying, sir, sir, only one person allowed on the high dive. Sir, you cannot climb up. My dad just ignored it. He climbs up the high dive, and uh, he just kind of puts his arm around this uh, young man and says, son, hey, let me talk to you. Let me, let me just talk you through this. And as my dad puts his arm around, he grabs the man's arm and he chucks him <laughs> off the high dive. Just like chucks him <laughs> off the high dive. And everybody is cheering like, yay. And uh, I'm just like, I cannot believe, you know, my, my dad would do something like that. But that was my dad for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think we have this view of men. Men just do the hard things, you know. They, they shoot things. They build things. They fix things. They're providers. You know, they figure stuff out, right? Um, but I think one of the troubles that we can have as men is that we, we oftentimes can spend a lot of our lives feeling insecure because we realize that we don't necessarily match up to what the view is we've had of manhood. Like we realize we can't always do the stuff that we think men should be able to do. We don't feel the same way or we haven't accomplished the same things. And this morning, what we want to do is be able to, to ask our question, like, what if, what if we've been shooting at the wrong target? Like, what if our understanding of what a man is is actually wrong? But even more than that, it's possible that some of us have never really understood what a man is at all. We say, what if we haven't even had a target to shoot at? And this morning, what we're going to do is try and look at Scripture and say, okay, what is the target? Like, if we say we're going to be men, we're going to be the men God's called us to be, what does that target actually look like? So if you got your Bibles, we're going to look at one verse this morning that speaks to this. I think it's one of my favorite verses in all scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you got your Bibles, turn there. While you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan, and we'd love for you to, to join in with us. So make sure tomorrow uh, you can check. It'll post it on our social media what the reading is for this week, or you can follow along in our YouVersion reading plan as well. We're going to read one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says this. Be on your guard. <laughs> 
Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us, every one of us, the men and the women alike. God, you have a word for us today, and so we open our hearts to you. Pray that in your name. Amen. I love this verse that we're looking at today uh, in terms of challenging the hearts of men. And uh, if you're taking notes, we're just going to walk and pick apart this verse to hopefully apply in your life. And the first one is this, is be on your guard. Uh, this would have made sense in the readers and the listeners of this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. And uh, when you look at this uh, word, be on guard, another way of saying it is be alert. Uh, back in the, uh, those days, uh, one of the ways they defend themselves and take care of the people is they would have people uh, in military posts who would be in watchtowers to be alert, to be on the lookout for any sort of infiltrate or enemy that would be coming a long ways off so that the person who was in the watchtower could alert the civilians, could alert society, hey, there's a threat coming. And the first challenge on what it means to be a man is we're called by God to be alert, to be on guard for things that might look to steal, kill, or destroy us first as a man, but our families, our kids. I remember this being played out uh, firsthand watching my dad uh, he just had a way of being alert for our family. I remember one instance where uh, we were at a public pool and uh, my sister uh, had went off into the deep end, no floaties on, and people were screaming for help. My dad noticed it without thinking. My dad with his full clothes runs, <laughs> jumps in, literally saves my sister's life, but it first started with being alert. And as men, uh, we're called to be on guard. We're called to have eyes that uh, look for things coming, to be able to stand firm, to be able to defend, uh, one, our heart, our own faith, our own purity, our own protection, but also those around us who we love and called to serve and protect. That's good. That's good. The, the first one is really talking about the exterior things. Mm -hmm. Like, how do, we, how do we be alert for those exterior things that are coming to try and take us down, mm -hmm. to take our families down, but, but the second, it says this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. That goes from an exterior thing to really this interior fortitude to say, listen, I'm standing firm. It's like, you ever, you ever watch a, a defense play in, in the NFL? They might, they might be giving up yards, giving up yards, giving up yards, and then they get down to the two-yard line, and that offense wants to get in and get a touchdown. And you can tell sometimes these defense that say, we're not budging. Yep. Like, they're just strong, and they say, I'm staying here. And they just keep fighting. It's like they won't give anything. And that's what Paul is calling us to, to stand firm, that we don't back down. That This word stand firm literally means to persevere, that we are going to persevere no matter what comes against us. But specifically, we're persevering in our faith. Mm -hmm. Like, if we're going to be men, first and foremost, we are called to be men of God, men that love him, pursue him. And I know for some of us, you would say, well, what does it mean to stand firm in your faith? In the past, maybe you said, you know, I, yeah, I'm standing firm in my faith. Like, I, I, go to, I go to church every week. Over the last three months, <laughs> that hasn't been the way you can define whether you're standing firm in your faith, right? And so what does it really mean to stand firm in your faith? It means that you prioritize your relationship with Christ, that that is preeminent in your life. That is what is most important in your life. That's the thing you're fighting for. You know, I think sometimes we fall in our faith because of exterior things that come against us and that, that just push us. But I think a lot of times we fall just because we lack a perseverance. We lack the, an intensity. We get lazy. We get sloppy in our faith. 
And I think Paul would just say this. You've got to be on your guard for the exterior things, and you've got to stand firm in the faith. Yeah, be on guard, stand firm. And the very next thing you see in the scripture is to be courageous. And some translations will go as far as to say, uh, instead of being courageous, be a man. Like, <laughs> be a man. Like, you can't say it much more straightforward than that. And I think of an instance where, there was a young leader who had served a father in the faith, a young man who had watched someone named Moses uh, lead people as God led them. And then you see Moses die, and the keys are now handed to a young leader who'd served under Moses, watched him. And now Joshua was tasked in leading people into the promised land. And I love how God uh, basically says the same exact thing to Joshua as Paul is telling the church in Corinth. He looks at Joshua and says, Joshua, be courageous. Be a man. And I think sometimes when we hear the word courageous, there's a lot of thoughts that might come to mind or a lot of word associations that come to courageous. Maybe it's this bronze, strong build of a man. But when I think of biblical courage, I think of the life of Jesus. I think of things like being honest. Yeah. A courageous thing to do for a man nowadays is just simply to be honest. Um, what about being humble? I think when we look at the ideal of a man, you don't really see humility. Maybe you see ego or you see pride, this ulterior motive that I got or I'm strong enough. But really, when you look at biblical courage, it's rooted in humility, being honest, being humble. Uh, what about this one that can be very difficult, but a call to holiness? Yeah. Uh, God calling us to be like him, to be holy as he is holy. Um, and then I think about a courageous act is being accountable, having personal accountability for our actions, but leading up in such a way that we're accountable to somebody else. And accountability isn't uh, necessarily admitting your screw-ups when you're wrong, but it's accounting for the ability that God has given you as a man. That, that is what courage looks like. That's great. That's great. It's so good. So we be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. And the last part is be strong. Be strong. And really the, the way that language is, it's more of to be made stronger, to increase in strength. Now, if you look at the two of us, I think it's pretty clear which one of us spends more time <laughs> increasing their strength. Not this guy, right? I don't spend a whole lot of time in the gym. That's just how I am, you know? I don't like lifting weights because they're, they're just so heavy, you know? Yeah. Like, why would you, <laughs> would you, why would you waste time lifting those things? It's, it's crazy, but uh, it's great. Michael looks way better in a tank top than I do. But, uh, you know, this, this whole idea of being strong and to increase in your strength, it's all about exercising your faith, right? Like, you know this. If you want to get stronger physically, then you have to be intentional. You have to push yourself. You have to work at it. It doesn't just happen on accident, you know? It requires some effort. And what Paul's saying is, like, for us as men, like, it's really easy. We can spend a lot of time, energies getting good at certain skills or getting good on our jobs or being good at certain things or working harder, being stronger in different areas of our life. But are we being stronger? Are we working to be stronger in our faith that we are giving everything that we've got? I know over these last three months as we've had time away from the normal patterns of life. It's possible for some of you that, man, during this time, you've just strengthened in your faith. You've dug into your faith. You've been, you've been in the word. You've been in prayer. You've been just seeking God, right? My guess is there's others of us who, like, this has been a time where, like, you've been out of the normal routines, yeah, it's and it's been hard. Yeah. 
and you feel like, man, I kind of feel like I've been floundering my faith. I feel like I've gotten weaker mm-hmm. in my faith. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of opinions about things going on in the world right now, and people tend to, to fight with one another, and you find yourself pulling back rather than operating in love and, and grace toward one another. You're, you're operating in other ways, and, and, and this is what Paul would say to us. Listen, we can't get lazy. We can't get apathetic. We can't just hope that our faith gets stronger. No, we have to work at it. We have to increase in our strength. Be strong. Don't be Greg strong. Be Micah strong. You know, that's what you got to be, all right? So, uh, so I love this. This is why I love this verse. I mean, there's, there's four little sermonettes right in there. Exactly. Like, well, one of those areas, my guess is already has spoken to you in your life of things that you need to go at. But, but I told you we were going we to look at one verse, but really we're going to look at two because I love the next verse. And I love how it's connected to what we just read. I want you to listen to what it says together. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Yeah. And really, that's what Paul's trying to get at. And when you look at this word love, it's a Greek word called agape. And in the Greek language, you see a couple different explanations of love. You see a friendship kind of love, a brotherly love. You see maybe a passionate love, a, a erotic love that might be shared between a husband and life, a wife. But then you see a kind of love that really is the kind of love that Jesus was going after, this word agape. And here Paul uses that word intentionally as if to say, let your life be about this one thing. Here is a list of things that are great to apply in your life, but let all of it be encompassed in this word agape. In that same word agape, the Corinthian church would have known because just moments before, (laughs) Paul spent time writing out what agape looked like played out. So he would have put back in the uh, reader's or the listener's mind these next couple of verses on what love is. Like, hey, be a man who's patient. I'm just gonna substitute love for man. Be a man who's patient. Be a man who's kind. Be a man who does not envy. Be a man that doesn't boast. Be a man that's not proud. Be a man that does not dishonor others. Be a man that's not self-seeking. Be a man that's not easily angered. This one's really hard. Be a man that doesn't keep any (laughs) record of wrongs. Uh, Being a man does not delight in evil, but being a man, it rejoices with truth. Being a man always protects. Being a man always trusts. Being a man always hopes. Being a man never gives up and always perseveres. <laughs> Paul's challenge of agape looked just like that in 1 Corinthians 13, where he lists what love really looks like and doing everything in love. It's so good. It's so good. And so, so we talk about this, like, what's the target? What is the target for us as men? Like if, if we're shooting at something saying, this is what we want to be, you know, we've got all these different models, these pictures of manhood that we talked about that so many of us are trying to pursue. But I think this is the target for us. And I want to close with our big so what, because uh, we always ask the question, so what, what's the, what's the takeaway from this? And the big so what this morning is this. Being a man means embodying the love you've received. Being a man means embodying the love you've received. Listen, every one of us as men who who say we're followers of Christ, we have received the unconditional, unmerited favor of God, his love and his grace that we never deserved. 
And if we are just going to be men, it isn't about can I fix things? Can I do things? Can I do? No, no. It's can I operate in love? Can I take the love I've received and can I give it? You see, what matters most in this life is not what we accomplish. As men, we like to do stuff. I love, I love mowing my lawn. I love doing any task where I feel like did it. I accomplished something, right? But see, it's not about what we accomplish. It's about how we live. It's about who we are. And are we being men of love? Do we look more like Jesus? As we've been talking about in the series in Philippians, are we looking like Christ, one who took the cross for us? See, the strength of your manhood is equal to the depth of your love. Not all of us are going to bench 300 pounds like Micah probably does. (laughs) Not all of us are going to shoot a buck. Uh, Not all of us can fix a car. Not all of us can own a business. But we can all love wherever we're at, at our homes, at our jobs, you know, with our neighbors, in our marriages, with our kids, do everything in love. Yeah, in fact, it reminds me of a story when I hear that statement. You see, there was a young couple who had gotten married and they were trying to get pregnant and have a child. And finally, they got the news that they were pregnant. And uh, if you've ever been in that place, you know how exciting it is to know that a new life's going to be entering the world. And The father was kind of secretly hoping that it'd be a boy and the first child would be a son. There's that something special between a father-son dynamic and kind of how that you can project that forward on what that relationship could look like. And things were going along well and uh, she was full term. And when it came time to give birth to the child and their first son, uh, when the child was born, they found and discovered that the umbilical cord had been wrapped around the baby's neck. And because of how the baby was born, the doctors, when they did tests on the baby, had found out that this child was permanently brain dead and that this child would never be able to walk, would never be able to speak, and uh, that this child was pretty much uh, brain dead. And ancient Rome would have, by law and by custom, considered this baby discarded. But these two parents decided that we're not going to abandon this baby. We're not going to give up on this baby just because it's permanently brain dead. That the parents decided that we're going to give this son of ours an uncommon opportunity. When this boy became 11 years old, they brought him to a university at Tufts University to try to do some tests to develop a contraption or a device that could hopefully help this young man be able to communicate. And When they ran tests on the 11-year-old boy, they looked at the boy and said, hey, we're sorry, your son's completely brain dead. There's no way for this boy to be able to communicate. The dad didn't take no for an answer, and the father looked at the doctors and said, tell him a joke. Tell him a joke. Watch how he responds. So the doctors said a joke, and they watched as this 11-year-old boy laughed in response to the joke that he heard. And so it motivated them to find a device. They found out the only way this 11-year-old boy was able to communicate was by moving his head. He couldn't move any other function or had no other bodily function other than moving his head. They created a device where the boy was be able to communicate and use words by hitting his head against the device to communicate. Well, this 11-year-old boy overheard his mom and dad talking about participating in a run for another paralyzed boy, a benefit run. And this boy with his head typed out, Dad, I want to run. So the dad who'd never ran a mile, over a mile in his life, was 40 years old, 
had some heavier uh, weight on his body and said, the fact that my son said he wants to run, as a dad, I'm gonna run. Little did the dad know that after the first run, his boy, after the run, looked at his dad and spelled out through his head that said, Dad, when I ran, Dad, I didn't feel disabled. <laughs> when the father heard that his boy, for the first time, never felt disabled because of being pushed in a wheelchair, little did this dad know that over 85 marathons later, <laughs> over dozens of triathlons later, that this father would lay down everything just so his son might not feel disabled. <laughs> when I think of love, I think of a father who looks at a disabled boy and doesn't see the disability, but sees an uncommon opportunity to bring life and freedom to a son's life. I think about you and I watching this very video today. You and I are very similar to the boy who maybe couldn't feel like he could run or felt disabled. The greatest disabler in somebody's life is sin. It allows us to feel like we can't be free. It allows us to feel like we can't walk or we can't run. But when you think about what our Heavenly Father does, He does exactly what this Father does for His handicapped boy. He puts him in a wheelchair, pushes him to the point where you and I can say, Dad, I feel like I'm running. Dad, I don't feel disabled. Dad, I feel free. And when I think about that kind of love of a father for his son, it's the same kind of agape love that was demonstrated for you and for I, that we might have a heavenly father who would carry us the distance from the moment we were born to the moment we take our last breath. Why? Because God loves you so much. And just with that kind of love that we've received, we're called to do everything in love. It's so good. It's so good. It's such a beautiful picture. You know, that, that's a picture of exactly what God has done for us. And so what I want to do is I want to close our time and I want to pray over us as men and pray for everybody who's watching right now. Because when we begin to have a revelation of God's love for us, that's what transforms us to be yeah. able to do this. I don't know about you, but there's plenty of times when I don't feel able to love my wife, to love my kids, to love those in my life the way I'm called to. But the more we receive the love of God, the more we can give the love of God. Can we pray together right now? God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are the one who cares for us, that you are the one who has loved us. You are the one, just like that father, who pushes us when we don't deserve it, God. And we thank mm -hmm. you for that. I pray you would help us all to receive that. For those who maybe feel discouraged right now because they feel like a failure, they feel like mm -hmm. they messed up too far, God, may I... May they realize that you love them where they are today, not where they wish they were, but mm -hmm. where they are today. And God, you are calling them into a new place and you, you will give them everything that they need. And so God, I pray right now for every one of us, you would help us mm -hmm. to operate in love, to live in love, to be all that you've called us to be, God. God, I pray for the people who need wisdom and need direction in their life right now because they feel overwhelmed with life. God, I pray that you would pour out your wisdom, your direction to them, mm -hmm. God. Give them everything that they need, Father, that they would be filled up with your understanding, your insight, God. And God, I pray for anyone who has not responded to you before. They've never received mm -hmm. the love of God right mm -hmm. now. I pray that in their hearts, they would open themselves to mm -hmm. you. God, that they would give themselves to you. God, we thank you for that, Lord. God, thank you for being willing to meet us where we are, God. We are so grateful. We pray that. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Well, uh, we are so glad that you are here with us. And I want to give just a challenge for everyone. You know, whether you're a man or not, I want you to think about it. Like, what's an area in your life where you struggle to do everything in love? You know, what's that area where you say, you know what? Maybe it is a relationship. It's a specific one. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with that neighbor, you know, with that coworker, whatever it is. To think, okay, God, in that area, God, I pray that you would help me Help me to operate in love. Help me to live differently. This week, focus on that. We can't focus on everything. I can't, I can't do everything right. But let's focus on that one this week and see how God will begin to expand your love in the way you care for one another, all right?